This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The day my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. And as you're being seated, if you would, turn your Bible to Luke chapter 5. In this new series, we're walking through the Gospels. Eventually, we'll get to the book of Acts. We're looking at the miracles of the New Testament, and we're learning the patterns and principles of those miracles so we can apply them to our lives. And so as we sang about, we can have the victory. We can have the victory in every area of life, and we can walk in all the blessings and the benefits that are available to us in Christ Jesus. And like the first miracle of Jesus, which is in John's gospel, when he performed a miracle for a young couple getting married, which was a financial miracle of provision, like that miracle, this sixth miracle in Luke chapter 5, it's also a miracle of financial provision. Luke 5, beginning in verse 1, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So they, they had gone fishing. They had worked hard. They had worked hard all night. And they, they weren't recreational fishing. I think sometimes we read these passages and we, we picture, I don't know so much about going out to Lake Arlington, but maybe going out to Lake Grapevine or somewhere and going recreational fishing. These men fished for a living. And when I picture the Apostle Peter, I always think of those guys on deadliest catch. Hardworking, little rough around the edges, but hardworking. And so they had been out working, fishing, and they were there. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. And we saw a few weeks ago how Jesus had visited the home of Simon and how Jesus had healed Simon's mother-in-law. He rebuked the fever and it left her. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, they didn't have all the technology that we have today. I mentioned that about Wednesday evening. Now, we were able to stay home and not be on the roads with people having to drive because they, they absolutely had to. But we were able to watch the previous Wednesday night service. We, we have certain technology available to us. You know, I'm using a lapel for amplification to speak. They, they didn't have all that. And so he, he spoke from the boat so the people could hear him. He taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Now, the, the, these men were fishermen. 
They fished for a living. And surely they knew the time to fish. Surely they knew the best spots to fish. Surely they, they, they did what they did to be the, the best possible success based on the time, the season, based on all those factors. Yet he said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Verse 6 says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So it was a miracle. It was a miracle of provision. It was a miracle of financial provision. And if you, you don't think so, just go to a nice grocery store, ask them what's their nicest type of fish, and tell them you want 100 pounds and see what it costs. This was a miracle of provision. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full, they began to sink. So, so what was the value of that. And put yourself in, I was about to say shoes, the sandals of those, those men. They, they knew what they were doing. I'm sure that they were good at what they did. They had worked hard all night and had not caught anything. Peter did what the Lord said. Then they, they filled both boats so full, they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. I'm sure there were times that they were more successful than others, but never like this. Never this much. Never so much the boat and the boats began to sink. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Now, we already saw a few Sundays ago that Simon had a mother-in-law, which means he had a wife. No man in the history of the world has ever had a mother-in-law without also having a wife. These were Jewish men in the first century. They were married. Unless there, were, there was trouble, they would have had children. My point is they had people counting on them. They had families counting on them for provision, for clothing, for food, for the provision of the necessities of life. Yet these men heard Jesus teach the word of God. They heard him teach the people. Then they saw such an incredible miracle of financial provision they, that they were then able to pull their boats up on shore to leave behind their businesses and to follow Jesus and, and to do so without being concerned or worried or fearful that their, their wives or their children would go hungry or be in need or lack. We, we have not even begun to grasp how much our Heavenly Father wants to take care of us and to provide for us and to do wonderful miracles in our lives. Now, the Gospels, they're, they're focused on the ministry of Jesus, what he said, what he did, 
as the gospel writers say, so that men and women will come to faith in Christ. But think about this. Twelve Jewish men in the first century who would have been married, who would have had families, they were able to leave everything behind, follow Jesus full time. Now, do you think their wives went hungry? Do you think their children went hungry or did without? See, see, religion would have us believe that they had to pull all their money to get a taco at Taco Bell to split 13 ways, including the Lord Jesus. Religion would have us believe that they, they walked around Galilee with their, their hands out. These were Jewish men in the first century. They had families. They had people counting on him. Yet they, they, they saw such a wonderful miracle of provision. They pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. We know later in the Gospels that Judas, his role was that of treasure. He held the money back. And the Bible says, John tells, he used to help himself to it. So they had a money bag. And there, there was enough that Judas stole from it on a regular basis. Our Heavenly Father wants to provide more wonderfully than we can even grasp. Now, there are four huge factors to this miracle. First, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. There, there are times in life like that where you, you've done what you know to do. You've done everything you know to do. You know, in the testimony last week, a man mentioned that sometimes people don't do anything. That's a problem. But sometimes in life, we, we're, we're in the spot like Peter. We, we've done everything that we know to do, but our, our own efforts have been unproductive, unsuccessful. So first, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Second, Simon said, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, this was the same body of water. And surely they knew you got to go out a little bit to fish. You can't just fish for the big fish right there by the shoreline. These men were competent men, I'm sure, at what they did. So in the natural, what Jesus said do made no sense. But second, Simon said, because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Third, the Bible records when they had done so. So when they obeyed, when they did what Jesus said do, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. So fourth, we see that action is required. Tell your neighbor, say, action is required. Tell your other neighbor, say, action is required. But again, when we do what we know to do, but there are those moments you've done everything you know to do. You ask the Lord for help. And the Lord comes along and says to do something that doesn't quite make sense to the natural mind. Or you might say, like Peter, we, we've already done that. We already spent all last night doing that. But because you say so. And Luke tells us when they, they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. Peter was a fisherman. Fishing was the family business. He and his men had worked hard all night and had not caught anything. So Peter had a need. He had to go home both to his wife and also to his mother-in-law empty-handed. I'm sure he didn't want to do that, amen? So he had a need. And his boat and lending it to the Lord, it was a seed of faith. So Peter first sowed his boat to Jesus 
who used it to preach the gospel. Then Jesus gave the boat back saying, put out into deep water, let down the nets for a catch. So Jesus multiplied Peter lending his boat by filling that empty boat with a record catch of fish. Launch out into the deep in faith, throw over your nets and I'll do the rest. Launch out into the deep in faith, throw over your nets and I'll do the rest. So like it says in Hebrews, Jesus was saying, blessing I will bless thee and surely multiplying I will multiply thee. You know, it's amazing what religion would have us believe. You know, this, this, this thing of this horrible, horrible religious teaching that, that God teaches his children by making us sick. If that were true, how come there's not a single place in the Gospels where Jesus made someone sick so that they could better understand the Lord or the ways of God? See, we know what to believe by what the Word of God says. When there was a hungry crowd of people and a young boy had his lunch and shared it, that, that little boy did not go hungry that day. That, that little boy did not go without lunch that day. There, there was not just plenty for the crowd, there was plenty left over. That's who our God is. That's who he is. And so Jesus was saying, as it says in Hebrews, blessing, I will bless thee. Multiplying, I will multiply thee. Peter was a commercial fisherman. It was his business. And he understood what Jesus was saying about the deep. That's where the big fish are. Yet Peter did not know about the principle of giving above and beyond. He didn't know about the principle of seed faith giving. That our heavenly father, he multiplies, he increases seeds given in faith. Surely, again, Peter was a Jewish man living in the first century. He knew the old covenant. He knew what was in the old covenant. He knew about tithing. Good Jews would tithe and bring 10% to the house of God. The tithe is a payment due, a thanksgiving of 10% after the harvest or increase. The tithe is a seed that is owed to the Lord. But seed faith giving is a seed that is sown above and beyond. Why don't we say that? Say seed faith giving is a seed that is sown above and beyond. So surely, no doubt, Peter tithed and knew 10% belonged to the Lord. But again, they, they had worked hard all night and hadn't caught anything. So what, what's the tithe of Nothing. Nothing. But Peter did not yet know about the benefits of giving above and beyond. His boat was empty. The nets worn. He and his men were discouraged. He said to Jesus, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. So, was Peter a hard worker? Yes. Was he a tither? Surely. Was he a man with a financial need? Yes. Again, he was a man who faced the prospect of going home empty-handed? Was he a man that had come to the reality of the futility of his own efforts, doing everything he could do? Yes. But Peter did not yet know that Jesus was the Son of God and that he was introducing a new way of life. Jesus fulfilled the law, and he came that we might have life 
and life more abundantly. Wherever you're at in life today, you can live a life of harvest. As Jesus said, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. You can live a life of blessing and multiplication. Jesus knew the boat was empty. He knew the nets were worn. He knew Peter and these men were discouraged. Yet Jesus also knew that he had come to show men like Peter and James and John life more abundantly. Our Heavenly Father wants to multiply our efforts. Say this, say, say my Heavenly Father, he wants to bless the work of my hands. And he wants to multiply my efforts. See, there's only so much we can do. But our action and our obedience combined with the blessing of God makes all things possible. Say it again. Say, my heavenly Father, he wants to multiply my efforts. And look with a fresh set of eyes at John 10 and verse 10. I'm going to read it out of the King James. Jesus said, I am come that they might have. Now, that, that's another religious lie, that, that we're, we're not supposed to have anything. But again, as we've learned, the purpose of our prosperity is so that we can be a blessing. But if we, if we don't have enough, if you don't have enough for yourself or for your wife or husband or for your, for your children, if your own needs aren't met, how can you be a blessing? And again, religion would have us believe that Christianity and, and following Jesus would mean that we do without, that we be in lack, that we be in need, that we be in not enough. Once there was a young man that came to Jesus and he said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you know the commands. And that, that young man then lied and spoke dishonestly to the Lord. He said, all these I have kept since youth. Well, we know what, from what Paul writes that it's not possible for any of us to, purpose, to, to perfectly keep all the commands of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But that young man said, Lord, all of these I have kept since youth. And Jesus said, there's one thing you still lack. And we find out that that was treasure in heaven. That young man was wealthy. He had some catching up to do. And so the Lord said, go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. Now, if that young man had perfectly kept all the commands of God, he would have had treasure in heaven because he would have been a tither. He would have been a giver. Plus, he would have been a blessing and help to those in need. There was a particular offering in the Old Testament that was to be dedicated to those in need. Yet that young man had not done that. So what did he lack? Treasure in heaven. Jesus then said how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples said, Lord, who then can be saved? Which tells us that these were men of means. These were men of ability. Because they were worried. They were concerned. Lord, who then can be saved? Jesus said with God, all things are possible. And then he proceeded to say that anyone that gives up anything for the kingdom of God will not fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and in the age to come, eternal life. So you got to set aside that 
wrong religious notion that God and following Christ means we're not supposed to have anything. John 10.10, I am come that they might have. So our Heavenly Father does not want us to do without. Our Heavenly Father does not want us to live lives of lack or not enough. He wants us to have. Not, not just so that we walk in his best. He wants us to have so that we can be a blessing. With all that's going on, the answer is to prosper more. When you go to fill up your car with gas or you go to the grocery store and check out and you realize that what cost a certain amount last year costs more this year, the answer is to prosper. The answer is to succeed. The answer is to pull ahead and to walk in the blessing of God. That's the answer to inflation. And because of what they've done, if there is deflation, the answer is to walk in the blessing and prosperity of God. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not before to steal, to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it how? Hard, difficult, suffering, maybe one mil a week. Is that what he said? I am come that they might have life and they might have it how? More abundantly. When his disciples, they, they were frustrated that a certain town had not positively responded to the good news. They wanted to see it burned to the ground. Jesus replied in Luke 9 and verse 56, the son of man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. The Bible says in James 1 and verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow or turning. The apostle John wrote in 3 John 2, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. That was his way of saying, I want everything for you to go well. I want you to be blessed and for things to go well in every area of life. The apostle Paul wrote, from prison in Philippians 4 and verse 19, and my God shall supply how many of our needs? All of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Yes, the apostle Paul during the time of Nero in Rome would later give his life for the gospel. But if you go to the end of the book of Acts and, and look at how Luke describes those years in Paul's life as he was in Rome awaiting trial, Luke is clear. He was, in he was under house arrest. People were able to come and go and visit him. Yeah, yes, what Joseph went through was terrible, but in the midst of that, his heavenly father took care of him and provided for him. So you got to set all that negativity aside. You've got to set aside that mentality of not enough and doing without. You've also got to set aside the mentality that God doesn't want us to have anything because that will hinder you walking in the blessing of God. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 119, we've got to be willing and obedient. And part of walking in the blessings of God is we, we can't be ashamed of his blessings. We can't be embarrassed by his blessings. The New Testament is clear. Jesus has come that we might have, that we might have life and life more abundantly. And Jesus demonstrated that abundant life. He met the needs of people. He healed their sicknesses and diseases. He restored them. He set the captives free. 
He constantly met people at their point of need. And in getting ready to bless or to multiply, Jesus would repeatedly ask the individual to do something. Remember point number four, action is required. Tell your neighbors, say, action is required. Tell your other neighbors, say, action is required. And you might say like Peter, well, Lord, I've done a whole lot. I've been out all night. I've done everything I know to do. But when we go to the Lord with a need or a request, he will often move upon our hearts to do something in faith. Action is required. And when we obey in faith, then the provision comes. When we obey in faith, then the miracle takes place. When we obey in faith, then the answer comes. Action is required. At the Sea of Galilee, Jesus had compassion on the crowd. He cared for the people. He cared for their needs. He wanted Peter's boat so that he could speak from the boat, so that people could hear him and see him. And Jesus also cared for Peter and his fishing partners and their needs too. See, Jesus just didn't use his boat to speak from and then go on his way. You know, we're, we're to be a blessing no matter what. Amen? Amen? And Paul in Acts quotes some words of Jesus we don't have in the Gospels. He, he quotes the Lord saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And in the Gospels, Jesus warned us about just being a blessing because we'll get something in return. And you know how that is. Maybe there's someone at work and you know that when it's their birthday, if you get them a Starbucks gift card for $25 when it's your birthday, what, what, what are they going to get you for your birthday? They're gonna, they're gonna, it's a quid pro quo. They're going to get you a Starbucks gift card for the exact same amount or Chick-fil-A or whatever it is. And in the Gospels, Jesus warned us that there's no blessing in that. I inviting them because they know you're going to invite you. We're, we're to be obedient and to be a blessing and to leave the harvest in the hands of our Heavenly Father because he'll have us be a blessing to those who can never pay us back. We're to be a blessing. But notice that here in Luke 5. Jesus didn't just use Peter's boat and then say, see you later, hope it works out for you, hope you catch some fish later this week. He made use of Peter's boat and then he was a blessing in return. They had worked hard. Their nets were worn, their boat empty. If the boat had been full, Jesus could not have done a miracle. The boat had been full. Jesus could not have done a miracle of provision, of financial provision. If the boat had been full, Jesus could not have demonstrated the miracle of Peter lending his boat to the Lord, giving to the Lord, and then that being repaid with the wonderful harvest. So when there's a need, or when the boat is empty, Jesus is interested, and Jesus wants to help us, and Jesus wants to do something about it. So say, my Lord... He is interested in my need. And you might say, Austin, the boat's empty. Say, say my Lord, he's interested in the empty boat. And he doesn't want it to remain empty. He doesn't want it to remain void. He wants it to be filled. And Jesus looks at needs differently than we do. We might see a need and we see lack or not enough. He sees an opportunity 
Jesus sees an opportunity for a miracle to take place. Most people look at needs and they become negative. They say, why? Why has this happened? What have I done to deserve this? But Jesus looks on every need positively. To Jesus, needs exist to be met. You might say, well, there's this challenge or a physical challenge. It's another opportunity for Jesus to do a miracle. It's another opportunity for God to prove his word true. Their empty boat interested Jesus. Say, say, my Lord, he is interested in my needs. Say, he wants the need to be met. Say, say with more than enough. So, so don't, if there's a need or if there's a, a circumstance or there's a challenge, don't, don't be negative. Be positive and say, this is just another opportunity for God to do his word true. Say, say, say to yourself that this is another opportunity for Jesus to provide or to heal or to do a miracle. So a need, to Jesus, a need is not something that should discourage you. A need in your life is a legitimate claim that you have upon heaven's resources to meet the need in full and to prove the word of God true. Needs exist to be met. Needs exist to be met. Philippians 4.19, Paul wrote, My God shall. Not that he might, not that he could, not that if you're the blessed one or the favored one, and praise God, we're all blessed and favored in Christ, amen. Paul wrote, My God shall. Say, say, he shall. shall. Uh, NIV translates that as will. He will, not he might. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Shall is a strong word. When you tithe, when you walk in covenant with God, when you give above and beyond, when you have seed, seed faith in the ground above and beyond, the moment there is a need, the shall supply promise of God's word goes into effect. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's why when there's a need or you check the mail and there's something unexpected in the mail, not an unexpected blessing, but an unexpected bill, gotta, gotta watch what you say. Say, my heavenly father will provide. Say, the money is coming in. Say, this bill will be paid. Some way, somehow, the money will come in above and beyond. It is another opportunity for God to prove his word true. And you might say, I, I, I'm kind of worried. I'm kind of concerned. My God, Paul tells us, my God shall supply how many of our needs? All of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And when I was a younger guy and we were with relatives once, you know, there, there would be this thing of a certain relative not being generous. And nobody wanted that relative picking up food because there wouldn't be enough. And it, it was sad to see his children grab as much as they can, could have, so they'd have enough, enough to eat. That's not who our Heavenly Father is. My God shall supply how many of our needs? All of our needs, according to whose? His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Sir John Templeton, who was a great investor, 
He once wrote in the New York Times, the more we give away, the more we have left. See, part of it is our mentality. Part of it is our attitude. I, I use that, I want to say Wednesday night in the offering, which was a repeat of the, the previous night. See, the one, one man holds on too tightly, and it all slips away. It all falls through the cracks in his fingers. The other man is generous, almost to where it's ridiculous or crazy or too much, but the generous man prospers. He who refreshes others will be refreshed. And that great investor said, the more we give away, the more we have left. It's, an, it's about what's going on here and what's going on here. Say, the more I give, the more I have. And this is what Peter and those men had not yet been introduced to. Surely they tithe. But they had not yet heard, Luke 6:38, give and it will be given unto you. But that's what Jesus demonstrated that day. Peter gave his boat to the Lord to use, and it was given back unto Peter. There's a need in your life. Do as Jesus taught in Matthew 6. Don't worry. As Peter tells us, the same Peter who saw that miracle in Luke 5, Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety, every anxiety, every care, every worry, cast it all upon the Lord, for he cares for us. Needs exist to be met. Tell your neighbor, say, needs exist to be met. Tell your other neighbor, say, needs exist to be met. So it's a mentality. You could have the mentality that, well, because this costs more and that costs more, we're, we're going to do without. Where you could instead have the positive mentality, this is just an opportunity for God to bless me more. This is just another opportunity for God to increase me more, to prosper me more. It's about attitude. It's about perspective. So we've learned that God is the source of our supply, that God wants to be first in our life and giving, and that when we give, we ought to expect miracles. When we give, we ought to expect that seed to be multiplied back into our lives. We see these principles in Luke 5. Peter and these men did not yet know to look to the Lord as their source and supply. They looked to themselves, to their knowledge, to their experience, to their efforts. And surely they tithed, but they did not yet know about Luke 6:38. Give, and it will be given unto you. A good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Say it again. Say, the more I give, the more I have. So as fishermen, they, they knew, in one sense, they knew the law of seed time and harvest, but they had never applied it to giving. Seed faith giving is sowing and reaping. We give that we may receive. And see, that, that's another religious mentality that you have to set aside. Well, well it, it's wrong to, to give believing for a harvest. It's intelligent to give believing for a harvest because we give and it is given unto us. And part of receiving from God is being in faith and expectation for the blessing of God. So we do as Jesus said, we give and what happens? It is given unto us. Say, I'll give God my best and I expect his best. So seed faith giving is sowing and reaping. We give. And we're intelligent people. We give 
that we may receive. And don't feel bad about it. See, see, religion would have you feel bad about it. No, we tithe. We walk in covenant with God. We're good stewards. We're, we're, we're a blessing as led by the Holy Spirit. So our needs are met. We're not doing without. And we ought not feel bad about it. The same person that would have you feel bad, if you could interview their CPA, if you could see their tax returns, you would find out they're not a blessing. And the very same person with the negative, critical comment, they're not going to help you with your TXU bill. So it's better just to believe what the Word says. We give, and it is given unto us. And the harvest, when we sow, the harvest is always greater than the seed. You've heard Pastor Sue say that what we give to the Lord, it never remains small. Jesus said in Matthew 17 and verse 20, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So if we have, feet, if we have faith as a seed, meaning if we take action, doesn't matter what the need is, the seed will meet impossible needs and problems. And the seed will produce a greater harvest that will overwhelm the need. The seed only remains small if it's not planted. But even the tiniest seed produces a much larger harvest. It's amazing how every spring and summer we have things that grow back in our yard or at our house or in Jessica's planter boxes from things that she planted years ago. That is the power of the seed. And the harvest is always greater. And that's what Jesus demonstrated to those men that day in Luke 5. Peter was asked to lend his boat to the Lord. He gave his boat to the Lord. And Jesus didn't just use it without giving something back to Peter. There was a miracle harvest of provision. So many fish, both boats began to sink. And a lot of people would have been happy to take those fish to the market, to get the money, to get the provision, and go on. But those men were so overwhelmed by what they had just seen. They left their businesses behind to follow the Lord in full-time ministry. We, we have not even begun to grasp how much our Heavenly Father wants to provide for us. We have not even begun to grasp how good He is and what He wants to do in our lives. That's why Jesus said, if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask? James Kraft, the inventor of Kraft, yes, Kraft, mac and cheese and all that good stuff, James Kraft once said, the only investment I ever made which paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I have given to the Lord. We give, and we're intelligent people, so we see from the Word of God that when we give, it is given unto us. And yes, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We give as led by the Holy Spirit. We give when the Lord speaks to us, when the Lord prompts us, but it does not change the fact that we see from the Word of God that we give and it is 
given unto us. And when we're in faith, when we believe God, when we believe his word and we're in faith, we expect good things, we expect miracles, we expect harvest, we become a magnet for the blessings of God. And what Luke 6.38 says is true. We give and it is given unto us good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I love the King James. Will God cause men and women to give unto your bosom? That's why I always confess that I'm blessed. I have favor everywhere I go, everything that I do. Even people that would not normally like me, they do. They don't even understand why. People do things for me, they don't do for anyone else. You might say, that, that's, that's arrogant. No, I know what the word says. That we give, and it is given unto us. And so when, when there's a need, I look for ways to be a blessing. Because I understand from the word that we give, and it is given unto us. And I understand that the more we give, the more we receive. And I take action accordingly. We have not begun to grasp how much our Heavenly Father wants to do, how much He wants to provide, how much He wants to bless us. Please bow your heads. You might be here today, and perhaps you've heard about the goodness of God, you've heard about Jesus and all that he's done for us, how he gave his life for you, how he paid the price for your sins. You know that, but you have not yet done what Peter did. You have not yet done what James and John did. You have not yet made the decision to follow Jesus Christ. You have not yet made the decision to give your life to him. See, to receive the good things of God, to receive salvation, to receive being a part of the family of God, you first have to give. You have to give your life to the Lord. You have to, to take what is yours and give it to God. Jesus said, he said, whoever wants to keep his life will lose it. But whoever gives his life for the sake of the gospel will find it. You might be here today and you've never done that. You've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You might say, Austin, I want you to pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to follow him. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. I want to be a part of the family of God. If that's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise it up high to where I'll see it. And I'll know you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to be a part of God's family. I want to follow Jesus. I want to make him my Lord and my Savior. You might also be here today and in a time in your life, you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know in your heart, not been living for God. You've been doing your own thing. And you, you have lived with the results of what you can do. And you need God. You need, you need the help of God. You need the blessing of God in your life. The Bible says the mercies of God are new every morning. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I need to recommit my life. I need to make things right with God. I, I need to find peace with God. If that's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise it up high to where I'll see it. And I know that you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. 
I want to recommit my life. You might be watching or listening online now or later, say, Austin, that's for me. I, I want you to pray with me. Repeat this simple prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent of my sins, and I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I give you my life. Set me free of anything that would hinder me in living for you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making me part of your family. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, watching or listening online now or later, we want to be a blessing to you. If you go to the address on the screen, you can let us know you prayed with me, but we'll also be a blessing to you. We'll send you a copy of God's Very Own Child in English or in Spanish. It's written by my father, our senior pastor. will help you get started in living the Christian life. And you may not have a Bible. Let us know you need a Bible, and we'll send you one in English or in Spanish. We want to be a blessing to you. I well, hope the message was a blessing and encouragement to you today.